former world traveler in the sense that before COVID hit, I spent most of my time uh, in Europe and in Russia, uh, more so than I did in the United States. Uh, I was way back in the day, back in my 20s. You know, I was I spent two years in Finland, uh, learned Finnish for some weird reason, <laughs> never really used it again. But uh, I always wanted to go to Russia for some reason. And I think it had to do with the fact that when I was a, a teenager, like seventh, eighth grade, they offered Russian in, in middle school. And there was a lot of Soviet immigration back in the 70s in, in my hometown, St. Louis. And I was able to meet a lot of them. I wanted to speak Russian so bad, but I, I didn't know it yet. So I said, you know what, one day I'll go to Russia. I did. I uh, worked at the embassy for a couple of years. And then next thing you know, I spent the next 15 years over there. got married, have kids, you know, and now we're now a grandson. After that, I spent a dedicated last 20 years being a real estate investor, uh, becoming one of the best short sale investors in the country. And, and like you said about the tax thing, I learned about how to legally reduce my taxes as a business owner to almost zero and decided after COVID that it would be a great opportunity to share that knowledge with uh, people like myself. Excellent. Thank you for that. And um, we are going to straight away jump into the whole tax space. Sure. And before we do, I think we should preface this by saying that this is not financial advice. Exactly. This is for informational purposes only. I am not a licensed uh, CPA or uh, attorney. Uh, and I would urge anyone to seek you know, licensed advice before they uh, enter into any financial transaction. Yes. Perfect. So let's start talking about your strategy uh first of all just explain to us in detail if you will what is your strategy and then we can talk about how you came up with it and a few okay. other things at at its core it all revolves around this trust it is a unique trust it is called a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust like I said, it's very specific and it's, 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 a, it's a very narrow niche on its use. It has been used by the ultra wealthy for well over a century, if not longer. In fact, when the U.S. tax code was first implemented or instituted in the 1930s, there was a special IRS code that has to do with this kind of a tax because that's where the really wealthy were keeping their money and they wanted to make sure that they had an ability to uh, shield most of their money from taxes. And so this trust has a special relationship with IRS code 643 that allows all this legal tax reduction to take place. Now, it was a closely kept secret. Most of the ultra wealthy did not share it except people in their clique and their club, right? It was like the, the popular kids in school, you know, they didn't want to tell, you know, uh, those of us who weren't popular about what their secrets were. But, you know, the last three or four years, especially last year, is starting to get traction. People are starting to get to know about it. I learned about it a year and a half ago. I'm almost on my second year of learning about this and it is absolutely the real deal. And um, for my business, it's been wonderful as a real estate investor. And, you know, it's great for anybody who's not a salaried employee. Unfortunately, if you have a salary, we can't help you with this. But if you are a business owner, if you're a real estate investor, if you have a 1099 career, uh, you know, if you're a commissioned salesperson, anybody with, with that, those kinds of income streams can definitely be helped by this. And so 
there are basically two types of income that this actually there's three kinds of income that this uh, can really reduce your taxes legally by an immense amount. The first one is any kind of passive income. So passive income, we're talking about if you own property and you rent it out and that you're getting rent or leases from your rental properties, that is passive income. Uh, if you have stocks, bonds, any kind of passive investments, when that money comes in to your trust, that's also passive income for the trust. Now, the other kind of income you get is when you have something of value that you sell for a profit. And normally when you do that, like say if you have an investment property and you decide to sell it, well, whatever profit you make is going to be usually, unless you have you know, a legal way to get around it, is pay capital gains tax. Crypto, uh, if you have precious metals, you know, if you sell an investment property, anything of value that you sell for a profit, a business, for example, then you're going to, you, normally you're going to have a capital gains tax event. And then finally, the other source of income is what we call active or ordinary income. That's when you get a commission. For example, if, if, uh, you, if you're a realtor and you sell a house and you get paid a commission, that is active income. If, uh, if I'm a 1099 employee or contractor, the company pays me or pays an LLC, that is active ordinary income. Normally, that's taxed at 32% if you make over $165,000 a year. This trust, in conjunction with an LLC, you convert you can convert as much as 97% of that active income by changing it from active income for your LLC into passive income for the trust and i'm being very simple and basic about this obviously there's nuances that we want to get into but i just want to explain you know really what those three categories are and how this trust well first of all if it's capital gains you'll pay no tax you'll pay no tax on that if it's passive income, you're not paying taxes on that either. And you can reduce any active income by as much as 97% by using this amazing trust. Okay, all right, excellent. So let's talk about the practical application of this, sure. if you will. And mm -hmm. if you would indulge me, I'd like to talk about a specific example, yes. if we can. Okay. Uh, let's just say for myself, although mm -hmm. I don't live in the U.S., but let's just say uh -huh. uh, I, I live in America. I own a moving and storage business, which I actually do. Okay. And um, let's say I have made 200K of sales this year, mm -hmm. let's say, right. out of which, let's say, I've made about 60 grand in profit. Mm -hmm. That's just profit, right? So from here how do i actually go about reducing my corporate taxes okay this is what you would do before you start anything what you would do is you would sell all of your business assets into the trust okay and then that way the trust owns everything both tangible and intangible assets because people sometimes forget about intangible assets i mean what your know-how you know all your strategies your secrets you know your your database your network all of that those are assets that should be monetized and sold into the trust as well so when you have when the trust holds all of your assets okay then you're going to need to be able to run it through another entity so what i would do if you were in the united states you would set up a limited liability company an llc and then you would have the trust be a 90 percent uh, limited member of your trust. 
So you as the business owner, you would own the LLC, but you would only have 10%. You would control it, but you'd only have 10%. But now that your assets for your moving and storage company are in the trust, your LLC would need to have access to those assets to be able to generate revenue. So the trust will lease those assets to your LLC. So now you go about and you run your business like you would normally. You get contracts in, you make money, you, um, you deduct all of your deductions, you expense everything out. And just for the sake of easy math, let's just say that after you've done all of your uh, deductions and your expenses, let's say that you have $200,000 left over, okay, as, as, as your profit. Now, with this strategy, you have two more expenses that you have to deduct to bring your tax liability down to almost zero. The first thing is the lease. You gotta pay for that lease, right? Because the trust leased that to you. It didn't do it for free. You gotta pay for it. So in America, the Internal Revenue Service will allow uh, a company to pay up to 70% of their net income as a lease payment. So we would, so your LLC would transfer 70% of that 200,000 into the uh, trust now that would drastically bring down your your net income right because you've gone you, you you've transferred 70 percent over there to the trust now you only have 30 percent left but remember the trust is a 90 percent member of your llc it needs to get paid as well so in america we have this thing called a k1 distribution which means that if you have an equity position somewhere then a k1 is the name of the transfer from let's say in this case your LLC over to the trust. So 97% of your $200,000 profit in your, in your storage company, moving in a storage company has now been transferred over to the trust. So in mono, monetary terms, we've taken $200,000 of ordinary income, normally taxed in the United States at 32%, We've sent $194,000 of that over to the trust, leaving you only $6,000 that's taxable in your LLC after we get those two expenses over. Now, I think you can see how you won't pay hardly any tax at all on that amount, right, for your, for your LLC. And the $194,000 that went over to the trust, well, because it's now passive income for the trust, as trustee, you can declare that to be an extraordinary dividend for your trust and in accordance with uh, you know, Internal Revenue Code 643, that's not a taxable event for your trust. So no taxes will be paid on that. And there you go. That's how it works. Wow, okay. And um, as you have rightfully mentioned the IRS tax codes, so um, Obviously, this is a legal way or a legal channel of yes. doing this, correct? Yes. Uh, the trust is actually, we are a licensed company for a law firm that actually has had the trust. It's called the Master Trust. It's, they've had this, the, the law firm has had this trust for almost 50 years. It's been defended many times. It's always, always won. Uh, in fact, there is a, a letter called, you know, the IRS uh, Trust Private Le uh, Finding Letter. And that's a document that the IRS will do when, when someone goes to them and an analysis is done by the IRS about whether what someone's trying to do is legal or not. They go through 
analyze it, go through it with a fine tooth comb, and then they make their decision. Well, our trust is the only one that has that type of document where it clearly states from the IRS that this strategy with IRS code 643, this type of trust, and what we talked about is legal. So okay. we're, 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 right. on, we're on very solid ground here. <laughs> okay, all right, perfect. Uh, are you aware of any court cases uh, which has involved this kind of uh, trust? Well, this is a, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about this, but this is what mm -hmm. we call a contract law trust. There are two types of trust, two types of, of uh, law in the United States. We have a contract law and we have uh, legislative law. In a nutshell, what this means is that if any kind of legislative, legislative body, it could be Congress, it could be a le state legislature, it could be county, it could be, it could be city, if any type of um, entity owes its origin to some kind of legislative act, and that is called legislative law. And I would say probably 99% of the uh, trust out there are legislative law trust. Whereas this is a contract law trust because in the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, um, Section 10, it says that no law shall impair the obligation of, of contracts. And the biggest Supreme Court ruling about how a contract law is different than Legislative law was in 1911. It was called Elliott versus Freeman. And that decision had to do with a federal tariff. And there was a dispute about, you know, what kind of entities did that tariff cover? And the Supreme Court came out and said it only covered legislative entities like, like companies, like corporations and so forth. And they specifically said in that ruling that trusts like this trust or in the realm of equity, and this law did not apply to them. So a contract, because you know, we have a very sacred uh, tradition in the United States about how contracts are, are pretty, pretty much sacred when it comes to legislation. So now uh, no entity can tax uh, a contract law trust like ours. They can't come in and, and uh, oppose any, you know, impose any kind of regulation on that trust. So basically um, after that ruling, you know, that basis solidified this trust um, status, I want you to call it, as, as a you know, contract law trust. And it's been that way ever since. I would say that, um, you know, I talked to the, the law group and this, this particular trust has not even been audited in, in the 50 years that they've had the trust because, you know, it, it, all the T's have been crossed and all the, dies have, the, the I's have been dotted. And uh, it's, um, you know, never once been penetrated. All right. All right. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. um, one of the final things that I want to know from you is mm -hmm. that um, a lot of people are obviously, um, they don't have a tax strategy. Right. Uh, most people do not, in my opinion. Right. Yes, that is correct. Uh, of course, I don't have hard data to support that, but that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of building out a tax strategy on, you know, obviously saving taxes and things like that, what do you think are some of the most common mistakes that people are making? Well, I can only talk about my, my experience in the United States. But I can tell you this, that for, for U.S. viewers and listeners, I will say this, that as a small business owner for 20 years, a very successful one, I have two, the two of the biggest leaks in my, in my profit bucket. If I got all this profit coming into a bucket and 
just two big leaks that are just pissing it away. It would be taxes and insurance, health insurance especially, for myself as an owner and for any employees I might have. So I would say that if you're not plugging those two leaks, then you know, you're know you not nearly as profitable as you can be. So I would say that the, the, the biggest, the most important strategy that as a business owner I would have is to plug those two leaks. I would make sure you bring your healthcare costs down as much as humanly possible. And I do have a program for that. Uh, you know, for people who are interested, I can let you know about that. And the trust as, as a tax uh, strategy to be able to, uh, you know, basically, you know, for most people, unless you're making tens of millions of dollars, probably not going to be paying that much in taxes with this trust. So focus on those two uh, costs, expenses in your business. And if you can solve those, then you're going to keep much more, much more of your profit, which is really what we're in business for. It's not revenue. It's profit. Very well said. And I like the part that uh, we are in business to make profit, not revenue. That's right. Uh, Right. Excellent. Especially for small businesses where, you know, we've got so many issues. We got problems with our resources Mm -hmm. and you know what? Uh, Every dollar counts. Absolutely. Right. Perfect. So Don, if people wanted to find you, how, where would they look? Well, what you can do, I'm all over social media. You can certainly find me there. My name is very unique, D-O-H-N, Thornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. So you can find me there. For those of you who are in the United States, I am a very open person. I will give you my cell phone number. I mean, text me. It's 407-902-7827. If you're overseas, you know, I'm, I can't help you. This is just a U.S. tax uh, uh, strategy. But if you're in the U.S., 407-902-7827. You can find me by that same number on WhatsApp. Wow. You, you're giving away <laughs> your phone number uh, on a platform like YouTube. All yep, right. I've never so I had, wish you all the best with uh, that. I'll just say one last thing. I've been mm-hmm. the same number I have had out for 20 years. It's out there. <laughs> you know, so okay. I don't care. I mean, all I ask is text me first. That's all. Right. Text you first. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all your links will be in the description yes. below. So if anyone wants to reach out to Don, feel free to do so. And he, he he's the most open person actually I've ever met because <laughs> he's given out his phone number. I don't know anyone else who would do that. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Don, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate for your time it. Today. Yeah, I wish you all the best, sir. You too. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll have to do the intro that was actually very uh very nice we did it in a very timely manner uh everything is good to go Mm -hmm. uh you had a look at the intro uh which i had sent you on email Mm -hmm. don't have respond to you okay uh i'll give you the sign and then you can go well hold on hold let me review okay as far as as far as what i was supposed to say yeah let me just review real quick okay one second here I apologize for not being prepared on that. You kind of caught me there a little bit. So, um, okay. So, I have the uh, I have the the bio that I sent you, right? So we've got that. It's right here on the on the email, right? Are you there? Yep. Okay. It's on the email. All right. I'm just waiting for it to come up. 
my computer's been real slow. 